Welcome to the Give This Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Island Program, which Forbes has stated helps entrepreneurs become professional speakers. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Our guest today is Jillian Miles. She's a featured TEDx speaker on the topic of the environment. Jillian, thanks so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. So let's just dive right in. I mean, I, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile and you have this beautiful picture of the Bay. And for those of you who don't know, the Bay Area is, in my opinion, one of the nicest cities in all the world. Granted, I lived there for a year, I have family there, but it really is a beautiful place. And you go to school in Berkeley and that's quite known for, for its uh, policies. And so tell us a little bit about your, your TEDx talk and, and, and why you chose to choose that topic. Yeah, so we were able to choose any topic, whatever we felt comfortable with. And I decided to do the plastic industry and kind of, you know, understanding more. It's such a talked about topic currently, but like, what's the truth? So I went over and like understood recycling and I wanted to understand, you know, when I recycle, where does it go? Am I doing good to the earth or am I doing bad? And then I found out that in 2017, China actually banned the imports of plastic, which sounds like so far, like, why would that relate to some girl in California? But like after that, where did our plastic go? That's where it's been going for years. And I found out that it actually doesn't have anywhere to go. After China banned uh, the imports, they started trying to put it to Indonesia and Malaysia and they also banned it. So when I put that plastic water bottle that I think I'm doing good for the earth, I'm actually not. It's actually going to incineration centers, dumping grounds, um, just being stocked up in recycling centers that have nowhere to send it. So this like whole idea that I've been so used to my entire life with reduce, reuse, recycle isn't actually true. And I think people don't notice that. And it was such a looked over thing that even though we have these recycling bins outside and we feel like we're doing something good for the earth, we're actually not. And so talk to us about this research. You I mean, you did some research. What do you mean? Like you read some articles? You went like, where, where specifically did you find this, this, uh, this research? Yeah, so I read some articles. Um, one actually by a UC Berkeley professor where he put in a tracking device into his like recycling and he saw it go to China and this was right before the ban. And then afterwards looked over it again and it wasn't being sent there, it was being stuck, like stuck in California where we don't have the infrastructure to be able to um, reuse the plastics that we put into our bands. But I wanna like point out, China didn't just ban it for no reason. We do a lot of wish cycling here and in everywhere in the world, but we're like, oh, you know, that jar full of peanut butter that's plastic, like that might still be recycling, but it's actually not. So we want to put more recycling in. That's like our thought process from what I've read and understood. But when we put that in, people either have to find and like pick through all of the garbage that was put into the recycling bin or that whole entire bin that was put, that, that uh, peanut butter jar was put into actually can't be used in recycling and that whole entire all of the recycling that was with it can no longer be used so in turn you're actually harming and being making this like an unprofitable market because as we know like everything's a business even recycling centers they do it to make money and to be able to reuse that plastic and all of the products that china is able to make with plastic so if they're no longer to be able to do that in an efficient way and be able to make a profit they're going to stop doing that and that explains the ban well, so are you saying that there are no other companies in the U.S.? So like every single thing that Americans, I say, because we're in the U.S. right now, you're saying that there are no 
places in the US or anywhere, frankly, that we spend put our plastic. So everywhere we see any recycling bin, are you saying that all of us in the China or there's some of which in the China? No, I'm, I'm not saying all of it, but I'm saying a lot of it. Here in yeah. California, we're in, like, we want to, you know, take it to the ships and they go away and like stuff like that. We don't have infrastructure in California. Mm-hmm. So like we don't have, especially for the amount of plastic we use. And that's the real key. That's like the asterisk point, like for the amount that we use, we do have some in place, especially in like the mid states, um, like mid South states. I know they do have centers. And since then, um, even Chinese uh, citizens who were in the industry and who were tops of the industry have tried to bring that infrastructure over and, you know, start um, building here. So there is stuff in progress, but it's been, I think, three years and it's, it's not working. So some, like, for example, like how energy efficient cars are good for the West Coast, but not for the East Coast and most East Coast states. Why, that's why kind of that? similar. Because here we use renewable energy for the most part. So that Tesla, those reusable, or those electric car chargers, those are used with good energy, with good um, renewable power. But on the East Coast, they have so much more petroleum and so much more like natural gas that they're gonna use that to produce the energy. Hmm. And let's talk about like what you're studying now. So you talk about you are studying um, environmental economics. Just kind of explain to us what that is and, and why you're passionate about it. Yeah, so I decided to do um, environmental economics because I do love econ and everything about it and using you know, the analytical skills behind that, but I focused in like where I get my passion is from environmental problems, um, climate change, water resources examples, like those are some simple examples, but I wanted to make sure like every day when I go in, I want to learn something and be invested into it. Um, so that was mainly why I chose that. And we also learn a lot about policies and what we're doing. So I took climate change economics and we kind of went over, you know, Paris Agreement and um, Kyoto Protocol and like the do's and don'ts of what happened during those policies that were so global and like how influential like global politics is. And I mean, a year ago, two years ago versus now, we've already seen the change in America, you know, stepping out of the Paris Agreement, which if your viewers didn't know, we're actually not like legally allowed to just like say we're no longer in the Paris Agreement. You have to do that in intervals. like. You have to say it and then in a year um, you can actually be out of the Paris Agreement but you can only ever say that every three years like there's a lot of little ties that they try to make Paris Agreement binding that um, our president um, didn't think about when he said that or didn't care about I guess. So relative to your field what's one thing that since you're studying this what's one thing that super 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 inspires you and then one thing that might be like, oh, that's kind of scary. Like I want to kind of both, you know, dream amazing. This is so inspiring to learn about. And another aspect is like, oh man, we're in big trouble. Like, can you kind of sh- paint a picture for, for those both perspectives? Yeah. So I think one that gives me hope in like an industry that I truly love is renewable energy, you know, understanding what's the best between solar, wind, and even nuclear. Like I do learn about nuclear. I know that one's a little more um, debated. Uh, versus like using natural gas as a transition fuel versus like using oil and coal and you know just understanding that and like how we are making good moves towards stuff but also like getting halted on a lot so I think 
from my perspective, and like I think this is the hardest thing about only living in California, I have this whole view on it. And then when you learn about different states and different countries, it's a lot different. So I think energy is a big one that we can win um, a lot of things on and do really good for the earth and the climate change. Uh, but I think, you know, on on the other end where it's like, this is sad, (laughs) we need to move on this. Yeah. I think on the other end, it's just overall like policies for the most part, like it's really hard to pass like good policies because as I think everyone knows, business is like a profits game. Like you want to get more profit and most of the things that are bad for the earth and bad for climate change are profitable so people are going to keep using it so you really need to put in regulations um, that'll help people stop um, using what they are currently using so policies in general is like a really uh, tricky one and one final question julian what is uh, one other thing that you've learned in your studies that you find quite inspiring or, or hopeful because like i said you're studying this stuff i don't really study environment that much but given that you are at berkeley one of the best schools in the world what are, what are some other elements that you feel that you've learned that is, is encouraging? Yeah, I think, um, you know, just going to Berkeley in general and like hearing people's research is kind of a big one. Like you hear what people are studying and like why they're studying it. So if they're studying like the ag industry and like what farmers are doing to, you know, benefit the earth versus how hard it is. I think one of the biggest things that I learned was how hard it is for a farmer to be able to switch from using uh, pesticides and all these different things like um, on their on their produce and then trying to switch that to organic like it takes like a year I think maybe even two years don't quote me on that to be able to consider yourself organic so that's a year that you're you're producing less and like not getting that money from now saying you're organic like things that like prohibit people that we need to subsidize to be able to make it more efficient for these farmers um, and ag producers to make that switch to become more environmentally friendly. Like there's a lot of things that that we do subsidize that like maybe we shouldn't. Like if we're subsidizing farmers because they're making like a 5% profit on all of their produce, why don't we subsidize farmers to make the switch to organic and then use that? Um, Cool, well Jillian, thanks so much for being on our show today. How can our guests watch your TEDx talk? Yeah, they can watch it on YouTube or through the SCET website, the Saturgia Center, um, either one. Uh, you can look at my name. My name will be on it for YouTube. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Julie. Have a great day. Thank you so much.